Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 100. On today's show, NFL Week 6 News and Notes. Interesting signing. Le'Veon Bell found a new home. The Pats look terrible. The NFC East as in whole just looked atrocious. And it's two a time in Miami. Plus, Ben's the least favorite part of the week. Yes. Banker Tank Review. And... A little uh, side note, he lost twice to me this weekend, but I can't talk too much trash because it's about a point and a half difference in our fantasy matchup, and I did win, but uh, I was very, very nervous, and I should not have won, in all honesty, but I'll take it. But first, as we speak, game one of the World Series just started. Dodgers, Rays, can the Dodgers finally, finally get this monkey off their back? win a World Series, and put to bed all the skeptics saying they're overpaid, they can't win the big one. Can the Rays continue to play Giant Slayers this postseason, take out the Dodgers, and bring home the trophy? I want to say the Dodgers will win because they have the talents, they have the experience, but something tells me the front office is just going to dip their little hands into the lineup card and try to play that matchup game, which we knew. It bit them in the ass when they faced the Sox a few years ago. Uh, and when they faced the Dodgers. Right. And then all so, their other postseason failures. Right. So, I, I and personally, if I'm going to go my opinion, I want the Rays to win because I just I'm, – I'm glad they beat the Astros. Because those whiny children need to shut up and go home about with all that, you know, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? It's like, yeah, I can hear you go all the way home. So have fun. You guys cheated in 17. And as we've stated many times, we've admitted there was some shenanigans going on with the Sox. To what degree, we don't know, but we'll openly admit that. And Oh, yeah, we never denied that. And make an addendum in the future if something comes out further. Uh, and I said it on many occasions when it first came out, it's like, if I'm the Dodgers, I just keep my mouth shut. And of course they didn't because, you know, they had to be all big and brash, uh, cry about all the games they lost and the world series games they lost because to the Astros and to a lesser degree, the Red Sox. So I just rather them go home, uh, and just not win anything, uh, because they're basically, I know a Red Sox fan, they kind of do pay a little bit for world championships, but the Dodgers are taking it to the the umpteenth degree of just trying to spend money to get a championship. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I think, I think if you just go, I mean, the beautiful thing about sports is, that I think it's Chris Berman has said that's why they play the games, because. Any team on any given night can beat another team, even if they are superbly talented. A great team will beat a great collection of individuals more times than not. And I, I believe the Rays are a better team. Do the Dodgers have enough talent to overcome that, though, by just being super talented individuals? And I'm not saying the Dodgers don't like each other and don't get along. I'm not suggesting that. But the Rays have to be a team in order to win. They don't just have that raw talent to just get by with brute force. Like the Yankees, the Yankees don't like each other. That's okay because you can have, you know, Judge and Stanton 
the four games of the year when they're healthy hitting home runs. Right. Uh, and teams like the Dodgers as well. Uh, but teams like the Rays and Oakland A's and those smaller market teams have to be an actual team in order to succeed. I think the Rays take this in six. I really do. I think they finish the job. I think the Dodgers look. I know I, I get on here and I bag on the Dodgers. I have no natural rivalry with them at all as a Red Sox fan. And I kind of feel for them the fact they lost in 17. What I didn't like was the fact them coming out again with the Red Sox World Series, they lost. And the Astros World Series, they lost. And saying, we should be crowned the World Series champions because there were some shady goings on there. And was there? Yeah, more than likely. But the thing is, those are the only two series you ever blew, you ever choked. I could be like, oh, okay, you kind of got a point. You still don't get the trophy. That's not how the real world works, at least not yet. But I can understand you being upset. This is a team that for the past decade has had a salary cap over $200 million and hasn't won every, anything. If they make it to the World Series, they choke. If they make it to the wild card round, they choke. They, they continuously underperform when it matters most. And then they want you to feel sorry for them for these two series. They didn't. What makes us think you were going to do any better? So, much like I said during the Super Bowl this past season with Andy Reid, people want to, you know, stop everybody from talking about how Andy Reid can't win the big one. You have to go out and win the big one. And he did. So now, his certainly his coaching career is not done, but his legacy is come full circle. You know he's a great coach. You know his players love him. You know he can win the big one. Now he can just coach and win, and it doesn't have that that stigma to him. The Dodgers have to do that same thing. The Dodgers have to win a World Series in order to justify all this money and everything. That's the only way to do it. Like, if you go out and you lose to a Rays team, that's clearly not cheating at all. You have no argument. You're just a team that chokes and underperforms. Your regular season rock stars, and they might win a, might win a series or two in the postseason, but after that, you can't do it. I just generally, I think they could have overcame the Red Sox had they did the simple thing of playing your best players as much as you can. You know, we we brought this up before. Oh yeah, Cody How Bellinger. Do you bench sits, Bellinger. Especially in that moment where he was hot. He was red hot. Now, I don't care if you're playing at first or center field. It's like, if the guy's on fire, get him on the field. But, and and the, the narrative from their side would be, well, we were doing this all season. This is how he plays. Like, analytics will only get you so far. And I understand that the Rays are probably the forefront or forefathers of, of analytics. But I don't believe if correct me if i'm wrong i don't believe austin meadows uh sits all that often and then the gentleman you brought up uh before we started talking um i don't know randy rosarina so i i'll look into him because uh, again i admittedly haven't really watched any of the playoffs but i've seen him only in the postseason the kid he's electric and he's he's had a hell of a run i don't want to i want to be a what have you done for me lately type and say he's the greatest this he's the greatest that but Kid shows fire, and he's come through in the clutch, which a lot of big-time stars can't do. Looking at you, Clayton Kershaw. And 
he they may have something special down there. Maybe not. Maybe he comes out next season and sucks. Who knows? But right now, he's hot. Right. And run through it. It's like um, Xander Bogart's in 13. They put him on the field and just ran with him. Uh, now, obviously, there was more to it. David Ortiz, the pitching staff. I get that. But, hey, Xander was playing in a premium position, shortstop. And they just said, hey, let's go with him. It's like uh, Devers a couple of years ago in 18. It's like, uh, who is the back? I can't remember who the backup was playing for the Sox at third base. I want to say it was like, Travis Shaw. No, I think I think Travis Shaw was in Milwaukee at that point. I, I know there was, then, yeah. I know there was somebody that there was this debate on, you know, defensively, obviously, because Devers obviously can hit, but could he field? And and they just said, ah, we're going to put him out there, and we're going to run with it. And that was counter to what the Dodgers did with Max Muncie, with Cody Bellinger. It's like we're going to play this game of matchups. And during the regular season, absolutely play the matchups, you know, lefty versus righty, lefty on lefty crime. I, I understand that, but in the playoffs, you know, if, if, if this was 2000, 2004 and, and, and you have Mario America coming out of the bullpen and you're the Yankees and there's three righties coming up, are you going to go left-handed uh, pitcher out of the bullpen? Or are you going to go with Mo? That, comes, that actually comes, brings your analytics comment earlier kind of full circle. Right. Sometimes analytics are great. When you have a team in, in the Rays that the combination of their starting nine, their average starting nine, probably isn't even combined with a few of the Dodgers players make themselves in a season. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when you're a team like the Rays, you need to focus on those analytics to get the most out of everybody. Same with the A's. And what Billy Bean did for years. I'm so excited that he's coming to. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have anything to do with the Red Sox. I would have to assume he is, but, you know, joining Fenway Sports Group. But <clears throat> that brings it back to okay, the Rays have to play that way. The Dodgers don't. They just got caught benching Bellinger. I don't care if he's hitting 110. In the postseason, you have the game on the line with a chance to win the World Series. And Cody Bellinger is at this, it can be that deciding bat. There is no analytic in the world that's going to tell me a backup outfielder should come in and hit for Bellinger. I don't care. There's no justification for that. He's one of the best players in the league, one of the best players on your team. You, you dance with who brought you. And, and, and there's no excuse for that. If you're the Rays and you have three guys, four guys making the same thing, and, oh, this guy does good at night against left-handers, and this guy does good in domes against righties, all right, play those analytics. Cody Bellinger gets benched because, well, uh, this statistic said that uh, with, the, with the wind chill below this degree and, and the wind going out to right field, we should not start. No, no, no. Whoever listened to him to bench Bellinger, the minute he said you're putting Bellinger on the bench, it should have stopped listening. Should have just turned that dial off and did Bellinger in the lineup. I, I, I think we need to we do need to put a kind of a parallel to this. Um Bellinger's how many years has been in the league already? 
quite a few already, right? I only so seventeen. I seventeen was his first year, so eighteen would have been his second year. Um. So my only issue is is I think we need a parallel, and I don't know if that kid uh, with Tampa Bay, what's his name again? Uh, Randy Rosarino. So it's not really a great parallel, but uh, I'll put it in there as something you can look at and say, okay, well, Bellinger wasn't Bellinger of 2020 in 2018. I will concede that. The kid was hot, though. So it's just like right now. If the Rays pulled this kid out because, what is he, a righty or a lefty? I believe he's a lefty. So if he's a lefty and a lefty comes out of the bullpen – or a lefty starting, a lefty starting, and you're not going to start him. Like ah, I can't agree with that. If the kid's hot and 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 he's pulling he's pulling you to the finish line, he's like you got to play him. So I would come down equally as hard on the Rays if they decided to game three up. Uh, we got the pit the you know left-handed pitcher um, on the mound to start the game. Like you know if they have Clayton Kershaw going, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense at this juncture to do that. I think you just you just got to put up put out all your best weapons every single game for as many games in this series as you can because you don't know if the if the series is going to go six games if it's going to go seven games. I just. I am of the belief that when you get in the playoffs, you need to put your your team in the best position out there and putting the best players out there to win each and every game because you just don't know how many games it's going to take. And you don't want to be down three games to one and for what was it, at least at least for one full game, I think Cody Bellinger didn't play. And I know for parts of another game he didn't play, and that was that was a storyline during that series. Right, so you got you got well. Actually, before I get to that, no, I agree. And realistically, if you're a professional baseball manager, and you've been most of these guys, let's face it, there's not any 20 year old managers in the league. These guys have been around the game, most of them for quite some time. A lot of them even played the game. Now we're getting to the point now where. Guys who we saw play or are getting to jobs managing. You've been around the game long enough. If you don't know that at this time point in the season, at this point in the season, with everything on the line, you're down to one of the last few teams. If you don't know, you have to play your best players no matter what. You don't deserve to win, and I don't want to hear you crying when you lose. You want to pull your your your, your top talent. Oh, I wonder why we didn't pull that off. Well, because you were dumb. That's why. And you paid attention to stats that baseball has been a game of intangibles for as long as I can remember. That's what made it great. That's what made it enjoyable. And so many of these sabermetrics and these advanced statistics, a lot like with fantasy football, can really take the fun out of all of it. Sometimes you just got to go with a gut. If you went by statistics, Kurt Gibson would have never hit that home run. The home run, we wouldn't have one of the greatest calls in the history of sports. If 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 they didn't go, if they went purely with 
um, statistics. Would Dave Roberts have stolen second base? Nope. Mo was too good. Posada's arm was too strong, and he was too slow. Every, every but it all those factors, and and that's the the crazy thing is, we talk about Dave Roberts, right? Who is the manager? Dave Roberts of the LA Dave Dodgers. Dave Roberts, yeah. And he was the manager of the LA Dodgers in seventeen and eighteen. So it's just like, come on, Dave. I, I understand the front office is going to be the way they are. They're a very analytic heavy uh, front office. Sometimes you just got to say, Hey guys, it's game three against the Sox. We've got to play Cody Bellinger. We, we just have to, we have to get Max Muncy in there because he's been tearing the cover off the ball. And then you wonder why later in the series, they're not really hitting that well. Well, cause they didn't get the at bats. They didn't yeah, get that consistency. Exactly. So that's all I really have to say on all that. But I think the Rays will take it in seven. I'm going Rays in six. Uh, I think they finished a job. They played Giant Slayers. They took out the Yankees. They they have, they saved us all from having to hear the Astros bark for the next year. So for that, I'll, I'll uh, even though they're division rival of the Red Sox, I will I will put that aside and 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 root for them just for this just for this series. Uh, Odorizzi is a uh, or uh, how do you say Odorizzi? A Rosarina. A Rosarina. He's a right-handed. Batter. He's a righty. Okay, I, I've <laughs> wasn't really paying it. I was just more or less watching. Yeah, he uh, cool. the, his technique. But full but disclosure, be- I've only seen him. I've only seen like four or five of his at bats. But man, it looks like he could be something special. But it'll be interesting to see because he's playing tonight. Obviously, he's facing yeah. uh, Kershaw. It'll be interesting to see what they do against a right-handed starting pitcher. That'll be the test because if he's if he's out of the game against a right-handed starting pitcher, now we're gonna have we might have a little shift. But I do I do agree with you that is a uh, more of a team uh, in Tempe. Well, it's middle of the second inning as we as we record this on Tuesday night, and it is zero zero still. So Kershaw has not has not let the ghost of poor pass performance bite him. So maybe. Maybe he's coming around. We'll see. Well, let's move on. Yep. NFL Week 6. We've got a lot to discuss here. Uh, we mentioned to you last episode that the Jets had, after trying to trade Le'Veon Bell, after not knowing how to use him, and Adam Gase apparently forgetting he had him on the team. I, I don't know. That's Go back and listen to the last episode. We don't need to rehash that. Gase sucks. We all know it. Yep. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, his decision came down to the Dolphins. The Bills and the Chiefs, if you want to believe reports. Uh, he decided to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. I can understand his reasoning, being as they're already, <laughs> he's getting probably the latter stages of his career, at least where he could potentially be in his, what you could call prime. Right. Uh, and obviously, the Chiefs are a team that's not only competitive, but is an upper echelon level team who is at least going to go deep into the playoffs. I'd be shocked if they didn't. But you have to think he would have had a ton of opportunity in Miami. He would have probably he would have probably been one two with Miles Gaskin. He would have been number one. Gaskin would have been two. They probably would have found Jordan Howard the door. Uh, and much like every other team that has had him. Yeah, unfortunately for him, I I, I think he's a victim of just bad timing on certain teams. He has talent. He's had some nice seasons. Uh, but, and then the Bills, 
but we didn't really have Zach Moss and Devin Singletary is, I don't think he's the guy who can carry primary back responsibilities. I think he's proven that in a year and a half he's been in the league, but I mean, he's very talented and he could be a real nice one, two punch with a guy like Olivion Bell. But he decides to go to Kansas city, but they already have, uh, I know that Darrell Williams is, is no threat to take snaps away from Bell, but Clyde Edwards, Alaire, he's the guy, he's the starter. Bell's going to do fine down there. He'll be a nice addition. But, man, I mean, if he was looking, it's just funny to me. He's clearly not looking just to win a championship. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed with the Jets when he did. Right. I mean, let's just call that what it is. So, I just wonder how, if that's not his primary concern, how he it comes to signing with the Chiefs instead of an up-and-coming team like the Dolphins. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me from his standpoint. From the Chiefs' standpoint, <laughs> I mean, we're going to turn the salary cap off and just sign everyone and and not, not worry about it. We're going to pretend like everything's going to be okay in three or four years and enjoy it now. But from their standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. You get a guy with his experience to come in, teach Edwards a lair who already looks awesome, a couple of things, turn him into a superstar. But I don't know, man. I think Bell could have chosen a much better landing spot for himself. I I have to think this is, this is obviously a stopgap right now for him uh, as far as where he's at in his career. I don't know how this is going to propel him into any substantial contract next year. It just doesn't seem like he's going to get the catches, the carries, the touches to to put together enough stats for a team to say, here's a three-year deal for $30 million or $45 million. I, I just don't see how a team can look at what he's doing unless you get enough tape on Bell to say, okay, I see what he's got still. But even then, I just don't think a team's going to take a gamble. And uh, obviously, I'd have to go through and look at what teams are looking for. Plus, we don't know who's going to dump what player. You know, I I think Buffalo would have made sense. In uh, full honesty, we didn't think of Buffalo at the time. Um, I know I went hard on – what was the team I went hard on for Bell? Uh, Wish I remembered. Um, but I know, I know it wasn't Buffalo. No. Um, Miami makes sense only in the aspect of, of next year or the year after, which opens the opportunity. Well, you've seen how they're playing this year. They might be, they, they might be a team that can compete for the East this year. The Pats don't look great. We'll get to that in a few minutes. The Bills, I think are better than they played the last two weeks, but they have some, you know, chips, you know, but they're they not also play better rock solid either they're playing better competition now like right i mean they're still a good team though oh yeah oh yeah i i don't doubt the that they're a good team it's just now they're playing a little better competition they have to tighten some things up you can't have the erratic you know 13 yard uh, 13 yard over the head throw by josh allen to you know make a drive killed and then you don't get points out of it and now you're behind the eight ball because you, your your offense is not as efficient as it should be with Josh Allen, with Devin Singletary, with 
Stefan Diggs, John Brown, um, uh, Beasley, the tight end I can't think of, uh, oh, Dawson Knox. Like they, they have all the nice weapons you would want. So a Lev Bell in that situation could have stabilized that team and really put them in the driver's seat, not for just for the AFC East, but a top spot in the AFC. It just dawned on me. I can't believe I didn't realize this earlier. Zach. I know exactly why you signed with Kansas City. Shoot. Do you really think at any stage the way these teams are playing now, Miami or Buffalo are a, are a threat to Pittsburgh in the AFC? He's still point. pissed at the Steelers. That's a good point. And the Chiefs are a team that can go in there and take the Steelers out. Now, Steelers could easily, not easily, but Steelers could also beat the, the Chiefs, I believe, the way the both teams are playing. But so, so you know one, Lev Bell carries a grudge. Right. You and know that. Little problem that the, the Steelers are going to have. I don't know if we're going to get into it, but um, we might get into a banker tank. But there is one issue that they had go um, arrive uh, this weekend that is – a little bit of a concern, but I oh agree. yeah, who, yeah, who was it who went out? Devin Bush. Oh don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's done for the season. Yeah, done for the year. Torn ACL. And that's my guy. That's my guy. That's still a damn good defense, even without him, though. It is. So, uh, but I agree. They're they're that is one of the teams where they can say, okay, let's see what the Patriots did. Let's see what the uh, uh, Tennessee Titans did for a majority of the game last year. Let's see what the Houston Texans did, surprisingly, for a good chunk of the game last year see what the Chargers did this year and kind of piece it together and see what we can do in our iteration of defense to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes because that's really the key to the game is to get Pat pressure on him. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, if there was an opening in, 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 in like a Baltimore, yeah, running back Bell would have went to Baltimore. Oh, I mean, that would that, that would be a question. He would have went anywhere that had a chance to topple Pittsburgh. That's it, what he wants to do. He, want, he wants to be standing there with the AFC trophy, looking at, well, not looking across the field because it probably be in, in the clubhouse, but he wants to go look at everybody in Pittsburgh. Oh, look where I am and look where you are. We just beat you. That's exactly what, that's exactly why he did. He'll never say it, but you know Lev Bell is petty. So let me throw this at you real quick. Uh, we're in week seven now. Going right? on seven, yeah. Okay. Let me paint this scenario real quick for you because that's actually going to lead into our next conversation. If the Patriots play all their games week one through week five and had progressed the way we expected to, and that's with Cam Newton playing all five games, he doesn't get COVID, he plays all five games. And the team gets their practices all lined up the way it should be, and, and they don't get these all these COVID cases on their offensive line too. At the end of week five, and they played the Denver Broncos, and I believe they would have smashed them the way that Denver played this week. They would have smashed them if everything was uh, lined up the way it was going to. Does Love Bell sign with the Patriots? Because there was rumors that they were looking to trade and acquire Le'Veon Bell before he was released. Do you think he would sign as a free agent if I the scenario I just painted for you actually happened. First of all, that's the most Jets thing I can possibly imagine. The Patriots tried off from a trade, they decline it, and then left Bell can leave and go to the Patriots and they get nothing. That sounds exactly like a Jets move. Uh and Adam Gase will probably blame somebody else for that. He'd probably find some way to blame Sam Darnold. Uh possible. 
it's very possible. I mean, if you're Lev Bell, look, the, the lead-in for the, the Patriots was how bad their offense looked, but I also put in the rundown why. Like, right. we're not here to make excuses. We're here to present facts. And they did not look good this weekend, obviously. Uh, and I don't think – I don't think it's that they couldn't practice. They were they, – they, they ran into a Denver team that's defense played very well. But let's not forget, we say this. This is not just with the Patriots in this situation. About every single team, repetition. Yeah. These athletes are creatures of habit. When you change that habit, they're not themselves. And you can argue, oh, but the Titans. Okay. Well, the Patriots closed their facilities, and Bill Belichick was doing Zoom calls for quote-unquote practice with these guys. And I know I'm, I'm kind of getting away from it. I will answer your question. Yeah. Uh, there were, allegedly, the Titans were still practicing as a team off facility grounds. So I don't know how much old Tennessee, you know, actually missed as far as practice went. And I'm not here to judge anybody for that. Look. If their guys were clean and tested fine and they were healthy and they all felt safe doing that, more power to you, whatever. I'm not knocking But it anybody. was against protocol, though. It was against protocol. Um, but, look, it, I don't know. I, I think if if they had players who tested positive still practicing with them, I'd have a big problem with that. Everybody was taking their tests. Everyone was going back clean. Like, they're going to get fined for it. I, 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 I don't see it as being the end of the world. Only because... There were negative tests that came back. These guys were okay. Um, but Patriots weren't doing that. They weren't practicing. And So that would be the only pushback on you for that would be its consistency. If we're if the Titans were allowed to do it and then they got that they got caught and they're gonna get fined. If the Patriots get caught doing it, you know what's going to happen. Oh no, no. But Ben, we live in a world where consistency with Roger Goodell does not exist. That's true. And we've said a lot of good things about him since it started, but consistency with him does not exist. There are certain teams he will be harder on than others, and that's just the end of it. Right. There are scandals that happen, and you just don't hear you don't hear the end of it. If it's the Patriots, it goes on for three years. If it's another team, it might be a blurb on the ESPN bottom line, Maybe. and then it disappears. Like it, it's just you're not going to get the same clicks news wise if the Cleveland Browns screw up as you have the Patriots screw up. It just doesn't. It doesn't garner the same kind of reaction um so yeah no i agree uh from a rule standpoint from a protocol standpoint they did something wrong i'm saying just as a person looking at it like if you're a player and you're healthy and you're fine and you've been tested and you're clean and you want to go practice with your quote-unquote friends or teammates who've also tested and they're clean i get what you're saying but just as a human being I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, yeah, the league should have done something, but they won't because it's not one of their punching bags. But yeah, and that's not to the point of I'm not making an excuse for them for losing because they didn't play well. But this comes down to when you have a, an offense as complicated as the Patriots is and as in-depth, and any any player who goes into that system says how in-depth and complicated it is, when it's running great, other defenses and coaches can't figure it out. 
Yeah, and this is not an offense we're used to seeing. This, exactly. this is not this is not the Patriots offense we've seen for 20 years. So to answer your question, if they come in five and zero under steamrolling people or looking great, or even if they're four and one, because remember, Seattle, who is thought oh, to yeah. be one of the top teams in the league, they were one yard away from winning that game. And they didn't. Seattle won. They played great. No excuses. Absolutely. But let's not act like that was a blowout and Seattle steamrolled them. Right. Um, they lost to Kansas City. After you know, I firmly believe if the Patriots had been playing the way they had been playing the first three weeks of the season against Kansas City, the way the Patriots defense played the first half against Kansas City, that may have been a different outcome. Maybe not. I don't know. I've learned my lesson on doubting Patrick Mahomes at this point. So I, I <laughs> it didn't happen that way. The Chiefs won. Good on them. I got to believe, though, if this team is in rhythm and this team is playing the way they played the first month of the season against Denver that could not get the ball in the end zone, they would have steamrolled Denver yesterday. They would have. And to answer your question, I just beat around the bush for 15 minutes on. Yeah. I think Lev Bell would have strongly considered the Patriots because with some things that have happened since the start of the year, they do have some cap room and they could have signed him. Uh, but again, does he fit into the game plan? Well, you see how much they're running the ball. Yeah, they have Cam. They have Damian Harris, who they're huge on. They have Rex Burkett, who they love. They have Sony Michelle when he comes back. You know, for this season at least. I don't think he'll be here next year. They have. Um, I uh, think it's who who, who's the kid I'm forgetting. Uh, James White. James, no, not that. No, yeah, James White. But he's more of a receiving back. J- JT Taylor's JT the Taylor, the, the kid, the rookie, undrafted rookie. I mean, they have a lot of backs. I mean, Bell, uh, pure talent, yeah. is superior to all of them, no doubt. But does he fit into the system? Does the attitude work? I mean, that's what you got to consider, too. I think it's a gamble. It would have been worth taking. and Because JT Taylor, I think, could just be pushed to the practice squad. Uh, I think it would pass through, no, no problem. Or... Uh, Sony Michelle is well, we, we, we see what he is now. He's those knees. We knew those knees were not going to last the, and I know it's, it wasn't a knee problem that, that held him out of the game, but knees, legs, it's all connected. We knew that wasn't going <laughs> Thank to you, last. Dr. Ben. <laughs> I am a professional, sir. No, just kidding. I am not a doctor. I need to put that very clearly. Um, but I think just we just knew that by before I, I believe he was not going to get his fifth year option, uh, but by the end of his rookie contract, there was no way he was going to be with the Patriots again. So I just think it would have been a nice piece to insert into the offense, especially with the way their wide receiver core is not really developing, and that is with the caveat that Cam missed on oh, what two weeks essentially yeah, yeah. and not practicing had so to sit at home everything's included and there's only so much you can, i've heard this till i'm i have heard this all weekend long there's only so much you could do on a zoom call going over diagrams and such you actually have to practice in pads you know practice that, the plays that, get it down perfect the fact you just said there's only so much you can do at a Zoom call makes me laugh considering one of the conversations we had before we started recording this. It's a family show. We're not going to get into it. But needless to say, um, I think if you Googled interesting Zoom calls, you'd, you'd find some 
some some interesting things. Just make sure your kids aren't in the room. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, honestly, look, people, this isn't bitterness. This is, look, as a Patriots fan, I'm more optimistic than most. And I feel, I understand people are coming from. People are excited the Patriots aren't doing well. Let's face it. When you're not a fan of a team, you get tired of seeing that team win. I catch myself watching a broadcast of a Chiefs game going, God, will you guys shut up already? Stop gushing over these guys. And I'm like, well, they've been doing that to my team for the past 20 years, so I can't really hate it. I kind of got to just deal with it. But when it's not your team, you get tired of seeing them win. And I understand everybody coming from the place of, ooh, the Pats are 2-3 and three for the first time in 18 years, under 500 in October. This is great. This, you know, dynasty's over, this and that. And every, okay, maybe. Look, I'm a little more optimistic because I've seen this team even during that 20-year period, look absolutely atrocious for a two- to three-week span and then win the Super Bowl. Right. Is that going to happen this year? I'm not saying that. But look, all the games they lost, especially the Seattle game and this past week against Denver, as bad as they performed, they still had the ball in their hand at the end of the game with a chance to win a one-score game. So how bad can you really be against another NFL team if you're able to do that? If they go out after a full week of practice and the 49ers beat the tar out of them, okay, I'll be a little more nervous. That 49ers team is good but not great, and they have a lot of injuries. So if the Pats can't even compete against them at home and the offense still looks miserable, then I might start to worry a little bit more. Let's not forget how much we, we lauded this offense the first two weeks of the year and said how great they looked. And then... Cam missed some time because of COVID. Had backup quarterbacks in. I mean, <laughs> actually, first three weeks of the season, not two, three. So, I mean, let's just let's. I understand the Patriots' doomsday celebration, but let's just not plan the parade just yet. Let's let them get back into a rhythm and let's see where we are when the year's over. Yeah. This is a team, I believe, that still makes the playoffs and can compete with any team in the AFC. And I know it's not going to be popular because people don't like the Patriots if you're not a fan. But this is a well-coached team. And that's going to lead us into our NFC uh, discussion, NFC East. Because they don't do anything well. No, no, they don't. They don't play well. They don't coach well. They don't make decisions well. They don't start or end games well. There's a stat I read yesterday. Six NFL teams have as many wins as the NFC East combined. That is a miserable division on an epic scale. I, I don't know really what to say about this division. Uh, I told, what was, was it last week? I think I said, I don't know if it was, um, we recorded it or, or I told you in person. The best quarterback in that division at that time. Let, let's let's be very specific. At that time, I said, well, it's 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 Carson Wentz by default. I don't know if that's true anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, for this past weekend, I'm not sure. I mean, I honestly I still don't know who the best quarterback in that division is. Andy Dalton just did absolutely nothing. 
uh, Daniel Jones did enough to win. Uh, Kyle Allen, I guess, did enough to just almost win, but you know, obviously, the uh, Giants edged him out. And Carson Wentz just he let me put it this way: he leads the league in interceptions. Not just interceptions, bad interceptions. Uh, yeah, he's just it, it's god awful. It really is god awful. And I have to think if they get bad enough, are they going to re- are they can are they going to consider going full on Jalen Hurts? I don't know. I mean, they had to draft him for a reason. I mean, I know they, they tra- said I know they said so they can use him in some some wildcat packages or whatever they want to call it. Their Philly cat special. I don't know what the hell they want to call it. But I mean, you got a guy you took where you took him, right? I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you'd have to consider it. Looking at that team objectively with the money they're spending on Carson Wentz and how many needs they have at so many other positions, whether guys are just injury prone or getting too old to be uh, effective. You'd have to think if they can save some money and ship Wentz out or just straight up cut him. What's to say? Who's going to take him though? I, well, I think a lot of teams would take him as a project because he's shown he has talent. Hey, just they can't, they can't start him right away. Right. Okay. He's shown he has talent. Are they going to trade for him? I highly doubt it. If he becomes a free agent in the offseason, teams will pick him up. Carson Wentz has potential, which is the most frustrating part for me as a fan, not of the Eagles, God, no, but as a fan of football. Appreciate that comment. Watching, (laughs) watching, sorry, Tim. Watching, um, just a fan of watching football. Right. You know, the guy has talent. There's talent on that team. There really is. I don't know if it's coaching. And I know I always make other joke. Lane Johnson, he's just, they're just having fun. They're just having fun. Realistically, nobody in Philly is having fun right now. That is a bad team. But it's also a team that is devastated by injuries. Look, I never blame a guy for getting injured. Guys don't want to get injured. Yeah, I know you're critical of Carson Wentz and how he plays getting himself hurt. That's not, he doesn't want to get hurt. He wants to be on the field playing. I don't fault him for that. He wants to be a competitor. You get caught up in the moment. You make a bad decision. You get hurt. I still don't understand how he tore his ACL in the air, but he did. So for that, he'll always impress me because that's something. A non-contact aerial knee injury is astounding. It's something. But there's talent on this team. But at some point, you have to move on from these talented but injury-prone players. You can't just keep them on your roster. Eh. You were talented three years ago. Okay, well, you're not now. Complain about the Patriot way all you want and say it has no heart and it has no soul and you don't reward guys with big contracts. There's been only a handful of players that that team has let walk away in free agency. I could look back on and go, oh, I wish they kept him. Chandler Jones is one. Chandler Jones is clearly one. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of others I could go, Belichick really misplayed that because he can see the writing on the wall. It's not, oh, well, you did good for us. We're going to give you this massive multi-year deal, and now you're not the same player. Well, look at his look at his linebacking cord this year. They completely depleted their linebacking cord 
with three free agents signing elsewhere and then Dante Hightower opting out. I, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't see the linebacking core being an issue right now. No. Bentley's they drafted good. well, good free agents. They put together Benavich a good unit. playing well. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's an indictment on the rest of the league to just sit there and say, I'm going to just keep paying my players because I have faith in them. I, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my players because I really, really like them. It's like, no, that's not the way. If they're really good, like Hightower got paid pretty good money. Not, not top of the market linebacker, but premium linebacker because Bill Belichick felt he was worth it. Not Chandler Jones, not Jamie Collins, not uh, Malcolm. Where did Butler. Collins go? Collins went to Detroit. Okay, right, and that's why you haven't heard from him. Yeah, he didn't uh, learn his lesson the first time. And I, I tried to look at stats for Kyle Van Noy, and I don't know if he has a lot down in Miami. I know Roberts is playing well in Miami, but we know what Roberts was. He was a run stuffing linebacker undersized that is to do but i i just he's got pieces to put in place so he has some guys still uh left over that either like you said he drafted last year or the previous years and he brought he drafted two linebackers in this draft it's it's just bringing in new pieces but also make sure make sure and you have some for from previous drafts free agent signings to kind of make it one whole unit. Plus, let's admit, he's got one of the best secondaries in the league. Yeah, and I mean, uh, just getting back to, getting back to the NFC East, uh, you're, you're not wrong about that at all, by the way. I just, I know you and I, and we'll get, we'll get on a Patriots tangent. We'll just go. We'll, we'll just keep just going, go. and the topics will all go wait by the wayside, and we'll do an hour on the Patriots. Um. Which I'm not objecting to. You know, I just when we, see, not when we see each other in person, maybe not just not recording it. Right. Um. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Eagles. They just. I mean, be interested to see what kind of team they'd be if everybody was healthy. But I mean, a lot of teams have that very same problem. Dallas has been decimated. Dallas. Half their offensive line, well, their center retired before the season, and right. their two, two of their uh, all-pro offensive linemen are out for the year. So three guys who run their team who are Pro Bowl caliber players are not there this year. You have rookies and unproven guys starting. You have Dak Prescott not there anymore. He was holding it together as long as he could, and then he had the unfortunate ankle injury. You have a new system down there with uh, Mike McCarthy, who apparently the players – the players, mind you, the players who play on the field, who can't get the job done on the field, have come out now, of course, anonymously oh, well, on Tuesday. And Dallas players blaming Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff saying they didn't hit them prepared for the game. Aren't you the ones on the field? Aren't you the ones who get paid the big bucks? I'm sure Mike McCarthy's not getting paid a pittance, but he's not making Zeke money. Right. He's not making the money some of them defensive players are making to get absolutely run over by everybody. That Dallas defense is Eagles have a better defense than the, than the Cowboys. Well, you, you, I don't think they have, do they have Leighton Van Der Esch right now? Yes. I, I, is he, is he, cause he's like in and out. They have him on a quote unquote snap count. 
Oh, see, there's, there's a problem. It's it. They went. Unfortunately, they went from Sean Lee to Leighton Vanderesh, having essentially the same problem. They can't stay on the field. Great talented linebacker can't yeah. stay on the field. Um, I can't. Jalen Smith. I like Jalen Smith, but you need a, a compliment to Jalen Smith. You need that silent. You, you know who'd be perfect with Jalen Smith? Unfortunately, uh, he got injured. Uh, Devin Bush. Devin Bush is sideline to sideline and can play coverage, can do all the little things. And Jalen Smith can be that dynamic linebacker to make play, like a Jamie Collins to a Dante Hightower. How about that? Yeah. That, I think that's that's a perfect reference. And if Leighton can't stay on the field, much like Sean Lee couldn't, it's like, eh, it's going to be a problem. And I'll compound that with, we know we're not fans of Byron Jones. I don't like his contract. I don't like the money that the Miami Dolphins gave him. They gave it to him. Great. They think he's one of the top corners in the league. I think he's well overrated. That being said, you let your top corner go and you don't replace him. And I think they drafted a bunch of guys and they brought in some retreads. It's like, and you don't have great depth at sec, uh, safety either. So it's like you're just patchworking this offense, uh, de- sorry, the defense together with Demarcus Lawrence uh, at end. And I'm, I think I'm forgetting one other defensive lineman, but I'm not sure. But you essentially just have Jalen Smith and Demarcus Lawrence on defense, and that's it. Well, they got and the guy like, who they got the guy who missed like six seasons because he couldn't stop breaking the law. Oh, they just reinstated him, right? Yeah. I don't remember who. I, and I'm not, I I'm not trying to sound you know crappy when I say that because I guess he got his crap together. Good for him, but still not not not, not an productive. awesome story. But that's just and, and look at, and then you conversely look at the offense. That's where all the money is at. And you and pointed out uh, perfectly three offensive linemen essentially out. And this was the best, the offensive line in, in football for what? Two or three seasons. Yes. And you had Zeke Elliott. You signed him that fat contract. You said, this is going to be our offensive line. That's our running back. And all of a sudden it just starts to fall apart. And then what happens? Zeke can't run. You, there's no, I he blamed himself and I give him credit for that. But sure. realistically, Zeke, if you don't have holes to run through, you're not going, and if they're stacking, if if you have Andy Dalton and not Dak Prescott, you're stacking eight, nine in the box. Just guarantee. Oh, no, yeah, no one's scared of it. Well, players blame the coaches, and then Jerry Jones comes out and blames the, the struggles on personnel limitations. Uh, well, Jerry, you, you have a weak secondary. And you knew you had a weak secondary. And you know you had Michael Gallup. Yep. And you signed Amari Cooper, way overpaid Amari Cooper to stay in Dallas. Yep. You had good tight ends. You had some good complimentary receivers. And what do you do with your first-round pick? Take one of the remaining stellar safeties. You could have developed into a franchise-caliber defensive player. Nope, another receiver. Jerry wants his shiny new toys. Which, by the way, CeeDee Lamb will be... CD Lamb's not the problem. I'm not knocking CD Lamb. Yeah. CD Lamb looks tremendous. And he even had a decent game yesterday. If it was <laughs> when Dak Prescott's back, they can probably let Amari Cooper go after a, a year or two of this contract and have Michael uh-huh. Gallup and CD Lamb. And they're going to be absolutely they will be better off, I think, because they're going to have less mouths to feed on that on that receiving core. But <laughs> why? It's not a knock on the player. Lamb's a, a astounding talent. They didn't need a receiver. They had so many other needs. 
And it's like the only two teams in that division that have an excuse when it comes to personnel because of rebuilds are the Washington football team, who's been awful for the better part of a decade and a half, which isn't necessarily even an excuse, just you kind of expect it. And the Giants, who, you know, Saquon, one of the top players in the league, out for the season, injured again. Uh, Sterling Shepard can't stay on the field. Evan Ingram can't stay consistent. Daniel Jones doesn't have a cast around him that can help him develop and get to a point he can carry it on his own. That team's had some real struggles. I can understand them being subpar. Washington football team, I understand being subpar. The Eagles are three years removed from a Super Bowl championship. And the Cowboys are a team that spends an absorbent amount of money in the wrong positions. And just cannot get out of their own way. If you had a competent GM running this team and not Jerry Jones, this would be a Super Bowl caliber team. Dak Prescott's a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl. I know I've been hard on him in the past, but based on how I saw that team play last night in his absence, Dak held that team together. Zeke's a running back you can run behind with a decent line. They have the receivers. They have the tight ends. They have the offense to do it. They needed defense. And Jerry Jones, once again, shot his own team in the foot. If, if I could just, if you can give me a second just to kind of <clears throat> accentuate your point on, on that draft with, with the 17th pick, you, you referenced a pick, Sadie Lamb. Uh, I would say if I was an intelligent personnel person and I'm like, okay, I could get Sadie Lamb for the 17th pick, a wide receiver, which I already have two. One I'm paying an absorbent amount of money for. Uh, or I could just drop and maybe not drop out of the first round, but drop down to the late part of the first, first round mid mid twenties and pick up a, a potential early second round pick or a mid second round pick. Cause they did get Trayvon Diggs from Georgia at cornerback, which is it, Georgia is producing some good uh, defensive players, but again, he's a rookie. And if he's your number one corner, that's a little bit of a problem. But I'll give you a name, and and you're gonna explode because you would you would. This is your guy. If they drop, let's say they drop to 26 or 25, and they draft Patrick Queen before the Baltimore oh, Ravens yeah. get him, and now you now you pair Patrick Queen with a Jalen Smith. Now you have your dynamic, and I understand. Leighton Vandrash was not injured at the time, I don't think, but he did get injured this season. He was injured before. He has injury problems. They drafted Leighton Vandrash in the first round because of what? The issues they were having with Sean Lee. So, and I know you maybe you're compounding the problem again, but let's be honest. Patrick Queen has been everything they uh, Baltimore's expected. And then oh, and more, and then some and, and, as and a rookie, more. yeah. And if you get that other second round pick, because as we know, the top safeties didn't start coming off the board till the mid thirties and within 10 picks, the top four safeties come off the board. Uh, 
with McKinnon, Duggar, uh, Delpit, and Winfield Jr. And I got to think the the Cowboys could have jumped in there and got themselves because I think out of all of them, Duggar's playing. I haven't heard much out of McKinney. Uh, Delpit's injured. Delpit's injured, yes. And Winfield, I haven't heard much out of. Uh, Winfield. Winfield's played real well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I know Duggar has, with opportunity, has played pretty well, and is a big kid, by the way. Let's let's not shortchange him. Belichick may know what he's doing. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but that would have been another nice piece, a nice safety to add to a Patrick Queen. And you're right; they they needed to infuse a lot of defense, not a little bit. I love Ceedee Lamb. And it was a great pick at that spot. But Just not for that team. No. And if you had let Amari Cooper go and paid Byron Jones, which would have been a mistake, but you could have paid him and could have gave some money to Logan Ryan and still draft Trayvon Diggs, what kind of secondary are you now looking at? I'm just saying, I agree with you 100%. And it's bad roster construction by the uh, Dallas Cowboys. All right. Say you got to make, I know, I know it's only going into week seven and in this division just been abysmal. If you have to guess right now. Oh God. I know where, I know where who, you're going. I who know who going. wins the NFC East? We'll revisit these things throughout the season. Look, God, it's a crapshoot. Like the Washington football team. <laughs> I have a feeling. Well, at some, po- at some point, okay, Ron Rivera is going to look at Alex Smith and say, you're ready to go, aren't you? I know he played all right. I know he played all right. But you're ready to go, right? He's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Well, all Riverboat right. Ron bit him in the butt this weekend, unfortunately. I know. But... Uh, I'm not. Look, that's what, Ron Rivera lives and dies the same way. He's consistent. So I can respect that on top of the fact that all the things that guy is going through right now with his cancer treatment. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Coach Rivera. I did even before he was diagnosed. Uh, I thought he was the perfect guy for that Washington football team. Um, I, I got to agree with you. Honestly, look, as, 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 as crazy as it sounds, if Rivera kicks the extra point, and doesn't go for two. Mm-hmm. They win that. Say they win. Say they may not have won that game, but say they win that game in overtime. They're playing the Cowboys this week for first place for the NFC East. As bad as that Washington team has been, yep. the Cowboys aren't – they are on the rise. And it's not a drastic or fast rise, but they are on the rise. The Eagles, I don't know what they are besides just the walking wounded. And you're, something's going to have to change. And now they don't have Miles Sanders for at least a week or two. Oh, boy. That's not only a hit to my fantasy teams. That's uh, a hit to their offense. It's a massive hit to the Eagles' offense what there is left of it. Uh, the Giants, uh, unless you can get some more consistency around Daniel Jones' weapons, they're not going to be doing much either. Washington can take this thing. But let's move on. Uh, well, we got two other topics here for the news and notes. We're going to hit those real quick and move on to Banker Tank. Yep. Uh, two at time in Miami. Week seven is the Dolphins' bye. Yep. When they come back week eight, Tua Tagovailoa. Oh my God, Chris! What? I, you were close. Almost. You were close. You were close. I practiced. 
That's why I'm only saying the last name once. Now it's just Tua. It's Tua time. He came in at the very, very end of their last game. Uh, took a couple snaps. But he's the guy now. They named him the starter today. Ryan Fitzpatrick, after playing pretty well, once again goes to the bench on the team where he got the, the, he got the, the future ready. And then, you know, which he's a good sport. He's probably getting paid very handsomely now to just sit there and stroke his beard. So, and I can't blame him. That's a majestic beard. But, I mean, he was on the sideline. He was clapping when Tua went in the game. He was happy for him. He knew how he was there. He's a pro. Um, Good for Tua, man. It's a kid living his dream. Seems like a real nice kid. I think it'll be interesting. I don't know what I think. I haven't seen enough of him, but it'll be interesting. I have no issue with Tua starting. You know that. You, no. you know I'm you know I'm high on Tua and I I push back on any of the analysts who doubted his um the medical I can understand, but doubted his play. Uh I seen the guy play. Fantastic. He made all the throws. You love him because he's a lefty. So right there he's he's it's well, he's also incredibly talented. I mean right, right. But usually with you it's the lefty always really really Gotta stick, with my, gotta stick with my peeps, man. I understand. Um, I, I just, I, I'm just confused off a win. Off a win where they got to 500. This is the move. I mean, I'll tell you what. There, usually I would say at this point, okay, Fitzpatrick, uh, you give him a week and then you trade Fitzpatrick. I think in this case, I think you keep him. You keep Fitzpatrick, and he's there the whole season. You can say, well, I think he's getting like eight or ten million dollars. They have year. to, anyways, because week seven is the trade deadline, right? So, um, so I just think they, in normal cases, I would say trade that veteran and go with the kid and give him the confidence just to be the guy. I think this instance, it makes sense with the with the hip. We're we're still never going to be one hundred percent sure until he's actually playing. Uh, and is he ready for the speed of the NFL league? I, I don't know yet, but I like his intangibles. I like what I've seen from him in his performances. I'm just weird. I'm. It's just weird after a win, blowout win, to have him start and be named the starter. Well, I, I'd say I'd say the way Brian Flores people react to him as a coach. That's a discussion he had with both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick in private first. That's clearly not just something he did on the field. The way Fitzpatrick reacted when Tua went in the game, yeah, uh, that's not somebody who was surprised. He knew it was coming. He knew the writing was on the wall. He set up for the season start. People were people were ridiculing Fitzpatrick because he said he knew he was there to get Tua ready, and he was like that, that. He wasn't acting like it was a negative. He is a veteran starter who. Let's face it, has not had – he's been a nice stat collector. As far as wins and losses go, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not had a stellar career. Right. There's times he looks like a million bucks and times he looks like he should be a fourth stringer somewhere. But he knew why he was there. He was clapping on the sideline. He's happy for this kid. So if Tuba goes in and he struggles and he needs some more time, they didn't burn any bridges. This isn't this isn't the situation where you can't throw Fitzpatrick back in and say, "Hey, we need you to start for two or three more weeks, or the rest of the year." This kid's not ready yet. They can do that because Flores handled it the right way, like an adult. I would say they probably even handled this before the draft. 
I'm uh, sure it, it goes all the way back when he when he signed because he he signed his uh, uh free agent or not free agent but re-signed him before the uh before the draft and they couldn't know for sure two was going to drop but they had you know the way um everything kind of lined up it just made sense with joe burrow just shooting up the the, the draft charts uh it kind of pushed to it down a little bit and then where, when miami landed where they landed is like uh yeah, we got a good inclination. It'll be two of. So I have to believe, and I don't know this for fact, but the way, like you said, the way Brian Flores has been running this team from day one, there was a conversation as soon as that, as soon as that offseason started, when he signed that contract to say, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. And if we, when we draft a quarterback, if one of them two is there, this is how we're going to try to plan it out. Even though COVID kind of screwed some things up um, because who knows if we have a regular off season, if Ryan Fitzpatrick even starts. Right. One. Right. Um, well, last topic before we get into banker tank for the week, John Ross, former first round pick of the Bengals. Um, apparently unhappy that, the team doesn't use him enough and has asked the front office for a trade. Uh, I bet the Bengals are honestly surprised this guy was healthy. They probably thought he was an IR just <laughs> out of habit, honestly. I mean, I'm not trying to knock this kid. He's had a couple decent games when he's healthy, but he's really in no position to request a trade. He's, by all accounts, a first-round bust, he, only for health reasons. He's not been able to stay on the field. Same with a guy like A.J. Green. They have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, who I'd say are clearly the number one and two yeah. under Joe Burrow's regime in Cincinnati right now. Do you think they get uh, sixth? Uh, look, I take a flyer on a guy. Oh yeah, because he—he's no pun intended. He can't fly. Right. He's fast as 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 you can imagine. Uh, but I mean, they're not going to get much for him. So Injury prone a- and, and generally unproven. Right. So he's a top 10 pick, which uh, really emphasizes the point of draft bust because uh, he has a collective 10 career touchdowns. Uh, I won't go into the other stats because it's just as bad for him. If the Bengals expect to get anything more than a six-round pick, they will not trade him. I'd say, yeah, six is tops. Uh, and you you're looking at it. I, I, if, if I'm the Patriots, which I, I, I messaged you early when I first saw this, it's like, I'd give a seventh. I'd give a seventh for him. I understand for the Patriots, it's somewhere between mid and low seventh round, but I'd give a seventh. Would I go six? Probably not. I don't uh, think so, no. Especially if I'm the Patriots. Now, if I'm a desperate team and I really need wide receivers, uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> um. I might give a six. I might even if I if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I might try to extract that fifth round pick out of the Eagles just because they're so desperate. But I wouldn't give more than an, a top end seventh round pick. But they'll probably get a six out of them. If you're Jerry Jones, you're sending your backup running back and a number two pick 
right now. You need more offense. Absolutely. Do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That makes no that makes so much sense. And then the, with his luck, he'll get injured first game first game in the Dallas Cowboy uniform. Just, Only after Jerry signs him to an extension. Of course. But um, you know, someone will 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 definitely I think benefit if he can stay on the field. Um, just because he hasn't honestly, he hasn't been used that he's played th- three games this year. He's got seven targets. So yes, it's clear as clear as day that uh Boyd is number one and T. Higgins is number two. I understand AJ Green doesn't want to leave. If I'm if I'm Cincinnati, I'm not going anywhere. I want to keep building this team. I saw a couple of throws by Joe this weekend trying to force the ball into AJ. And I don't know if that was rookie mistake not seeing the guy in the flat or seeing a second or third option. But there was, you know, chatter previous couple weeks about AJ not getting the ball. And there was analytics to say that he's not getting separation. No. If Joe starts trying to force it into AJ just to pacify him, I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a mistake. And I think it would benefit the team to say, uh, AJ, uh, Ross, we're going to go our separate ways. We're going to trade you here and we're going to trade you here and ha- uh, good luck. And we'll, we'll go with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. We'll see if Tyler Boyd can stay on the field. And I, I still have a theory. They get a top three pick. Jamar Chase from LSU will be going to Cincinnati. Oh, that would be uh, <laughs> that'd be interesting with Joe Burrow there too. Yes. All right, Banker Tank. Awesome. Week six uh, was pretty much the status quo. Yep. I won. I lost. Uh, you you came in second. You were three and three. I was four and two. Yes. Uh, number one fan of the show, Tammy who is always the first to comment on our banker tank thread. So thank you very much for that was also three and three. She is 14 and 10 on the year. Ben, you were 15 and 21. That's correct. I am 22 and 14. So I could just not play a week and Ben, you get them all right. And I'd still be in first. So I, I may do that at some point. I may take my bye week and just see what Ben can do, but not this week. No, this week I have picks, but I'll let you go first. Maybe this week you can win. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So uh, for my banks, I'm going to go Matthew Stafford, Devin Singletary, and Travis Fulcom. All right. Uh, so Stafford, he's the, the points he's projected is a little on the high end. You're really struggling to find a positive here, aren't you? I am. I am. <laughs> but, but here's the advantage she's going to have. You ready for this? He's facing Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, they have the, their second worst in yards given up uh, through the air, which is really no surprise. No. Uh, so I don't think, I mean, Galladay, Hawkinson, uh, Marvin Jones, Jr. They're, they're all on the table. They're going to get targets. This defense is bad. The Falcons, I, I know, I understand they had a good game this week, right? It was this week or was that last week? Well, they won this week. 
Right. They, they, but they, a good game is questionable. But Oh, yeah, 40, 40 to 23. Because uh, I was joking with you uh, early in the Sunday, they were up, what, what was it, 14 nothing? And I said, Are they, is, this the, is the curse going to break? And I guess the curse broke this week. Um, well, I, I wouldn't I just, exactly say it's completely gone, but at least for this week, it disappeared. Uh, I, I just, I just like him against this defense is basically, it. uh, he's still Matthew Stafford. He can still put up stats. He may throw a couple picks, but that, that's, that secondary is just going to give it up. All right. I have Aaron Rodgers, Chris Carson, and Michael Thomas. And I'm going to focus on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron messed up last week. He uh, got a little cocky with his little key and peel dance there in the end zone and then proceeded to get absolutely dropped by that <laughs> Buccaneers defense. He's going to come back this week. He has Devontae Adams. He has his new favorite tight end, Robert Tanyan. They actually threw to MVS. Aaron Jones stunned. is yeah, stunned. I don't know if he actually caught him, but he threw towards him, which is at least progress. Uh, they have Aaron Jones, and uh, oh, I always forget their backup's name. But they had a couple of real good running backs there in Green Bay. Aaron Jones, obviously, the number one by far. But there's a lot of weapons there. They had a bad game against a team that had the hot hand. He's going to bounce back. He's going to be just fine. He's going to project it at 29.9 points. He's going to exceed that. He'll be in the 30s at least. All right. So for my tanks, I'm going to go Drew Locke. Daryl Henderson Jr. and AJ Brown. So I know I know Daryl Henderson has been playing well recently, especially when uh when Cam Akers first went out. Uh, but they are facing the Bears. Uh, that defense is pretty stout. Um, I just I just see golf on his back all day with because Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. And even though Henderson does get a little bit of bites out of the backfield with um, in the passing game, I mean, Cam Akers is back playing. He's getting some touches. Uh, so that's more mouths to feed. And I just, I, I just got a feeling like th- this is not going to be a good week for the LA Rams against the bears. It's, I think, I think they're starting to come into their own, um, as a team and it kind of revolves around one huge X factor. And that's Nick Foles, not being Mitchell Trubisky. Well, anyone who's not Mitchell Trubisky, that's a leg up (laughs) and a football field, at least I'm not trying to attack him personally. I'm sure he's a nice kid, but I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill, Ezekiel Elliott and Allen Robinson for my tanks. Uh, With Zeke, Look, he's as talented a running back as you're going to find, but there's really nobody with the exception of maybe Derrick Henry towards the end of last season who you can know you're going to get the handoff and you can run right through him. Zeke's not a Henry. Zeke's oh. not a guy. He's not a guy who's going to steamroll people. And let me, go let in me the correct you. Derrick Henry just doesn't steamroll people. He actually will, will take his hand and lift a player up. Yeah. And throw them out of the way. He he made Josh Norman defy gravity. <laughs> so uh <laughs> yeah, that was 
man, if you're one of the three people who hasn't seen that, look that up. Derrick Henry, Josh Norman, because that was that was absolutely amazing. Uh, if I, I almost felt bad for Josh Norman, but not quite. Not quite. But yeah, Zeke, look, it's nothing against Zeke's talent, but that Dallas offense looked awful. I know they're playing the Washington football team. Washington football team actually has a pretty decent defensive line. Uh, defense hasn't been the entirety of their problem. Their defense has been okay. Um, look, Cowboys offensive line is, is, is decimated. They have Andy Dalton under center. Their offense has no flow. Zeke's confidence is shot right now. He just fumbled twice. He's blaming himself. Look, he may bounce back and, and, and tear it up this week. I don't think so, though. I don't think they have the personnel to do it right now. I don't think they have the coaching. I don't think that team has – that team's heart and soul and that team's mental strength was Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak's not there. That team is lost. And Zeke's going to be lost in the backfield. Like he, he's not tearing off any huge runs. He's not going for 120-2. and two. You're going to see like 15 carries for 28 yards, maybe a couple of catches. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. If he ends up banking this week, uh, well, I know I picked him to tank, but if he ends up not tanking, it's going to be because of through the air. Yeah. He he caught a pass. He caught a touchdown, something like that. Like like eight, nine catches for like 26 yards because all all Andy Dalton can see is little dump offs. Yeah. If Dalton, Dalton doesn't, if Dalton doesn't hit just his check down running back, he's only throwing about eight yards downfield. So, I mean, it's going to have to be a couple of touchdown catches for Zeke because he's not doing nothing on the ground because everybody sees it coming. That's yeah. all they got. And they don't have the uh, – three years ago with the line they had, that would have been fine. Not in 2020. So I, I don't pick Zeke to have a good week. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but I did. All right. Anything else? Are you good? Game of the week, sir. Oh, game of the week. Wow. I always forget that one. You want to go first or me? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got to go two undefeateds. The team, the game that should happen a few weeks ago, Steelers and Titans, both teams playing. Offense is playing out of their mind right now. Uh, <laughs> I know Devin Bush is injured out for the year, but that's still a great Steelers defense that yep. can really hit you, that can stop the run against a team that can really run the ball. It's strength against strength in every aspect. It's going to be this game is either going to be like seven to six or 52 to 49. You're not going to see a blowout one way or the other. I'm going to go Seattle at Arizona. This is going to be because we've talked about this before. Now, Arizona took pretty much every NFC West team to the last second last year and beat a couple of them. This year they've been okay. Uh, obviously, they got they steamrolled the Cowboys uh, yesterday, but they haven't been as crisp as they were at the end of last year. So I want to see in this game: is Arizona for real, or is it just going to be Seattle rolling? Not maybe not rolling over, but winning again and just staking their claim to the top of the NFC West. Uh, what are they, they, they? They don't even have a loss yet, do they? See, I don't know. Uh, that, and I honestly, the Rams are okay, but they're not, they're inconsistent as well. 
49ers, what they got, they got crushed last week and they, they won big this week. It's like, they're just Jekyll and Hyde right now. And you pointed out they have injuries, Arizona with their issues. And again, I am going to keep stating this because I feel like it's a travesty that they're misusing Isaiah Simmons. Seattle, I just, they seem to be the cream of the crop and I want to see if Arizona can go toe to toe with them. I'm very intrigued about that game as well, but I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to stick with my, my game of the week, but either way, I'm hoping those games are on different times. I haven't checked yet. I'd like to watch them both. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, uh, obviously I think Arizona Seattle is a four o'clock game, uh, Tennessee and Tennessee and Pitt should be at one o'clock. Tennessee and Pitt is, uh, why can't I find them? Uh, they are a one o'clock game. Yes, sir. All right, so, so you can watch that one at one and then. Yep. Arizona at four. Uh, I mean, well, I can watch that on, on advertise on, on commercial from the Pats, uh, Pats Niners game. Cause I gotta, I gotta yes. stay loyal to my team. Gotta, gotta stay loyal. Gotta stay loyal. All right. Now that I haven't forgotten anything on our rundown. Now are you good? I'm good. I'm all set. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us. If you have any questions or comments about anything you heard on this episode or past episodes, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at BCTS pod, uh, go on the website, bctspod.com or on Facebook, uh, where we'll put banker tank up Ben and Chris talk sports. And we invite everybody when that banker tank post goes up, usually late Thursday, early Friday, go in the comments section, leave your own picks, play against us. If you enjoy the show we'd ask that you please tell a friend maybe even leave a rating and review for ben i am chris please stay safe stay healthy and we will see you right back here next wednesday thank you